Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. If you have your Bibles or your phone or a tablet or any other kind of device you can find God's Word on, find 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today, 1 Timothy chapter 4. As you can see, we started talking a couple of weeks ago about vision for Eastern Heights, and we said that Eastern Heights' vision is that we exist to be a life-changing church. And we talked about what that meant. And then we are now talking about what that means for you as an individual member of Eastern Heights, how that you can be a part of making that vision become reality, how you can be a part of making it life changing. And so we learned last week that the vision for God's church is not just for the church, but it's actually God's vision for your life as well. It's really one in the same thing. That is God wants to change the church and God wants to change your life because God has always been, and I believe he's still in the life changing business. And so we learned last week that to accomplish this vision that we have to have a strategy. And so we talked, we began talking about our four steps that we use here at Eastern Heights to make that vision become a reality. And at least we talked about it giving you the opportunity. We said that was the key word, was giving you the opportunity for life change to take place. Because see, nobody can make you do anything, right? And the, the other side of it is we can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. So all we can do is provide the opportunity. You actually have to do the work yourself. But it at least gives every single person that comes through our doors the opportunity to move from that moment of salvation where you ask Jesus into your heart to that place and that moment when you actually begin to serve the Lord in a ministry in the church somewhere. And so we said that four, these four letters, DARE, stands for... Discover, apply, recognize, and explore. And to be more specific, we said we want people to be able to discover God, both as in a salvation experience, but also God's purpose for their life. And then we said, as you're doing that, you've got to apply some habits to your life that every Christian has to have. And then we want you to recognize what your spiritual shape is. That is how God's wired you, how God has created you, how unique you are, and how that you have a ministry to serve God doing something somewhere, somehow. And so we want to help you to be able to figure out what that is. And then the last thing is we want you to explore opportunities, all the different ways that you can serve here through Eastern Heights. And if you don't if we don't have a ministry that you see that you like, then God might be leading you to start a new one. You know, you just never know. So that's our four-step strategy. And last week, we began talking with you about discovering God. How that it begins with that salvation experience where you ask Jesus into your heart as your Lord and as your Savior. But it doesn't just end there. That's actually really the beginning point. There's this spiritual growth process that needs to happen after that. And it's really through this process where God begins to reveal what his purpose for your life really is. And so if you never go through that spiritual growth process, you'll never know what God's purpose for your life is. We said last week that nine out of 10 Christians say that they don't know what God's purpose for their life actually is. And isn't that sad to go through an entire life and not knowing what your purpose is? And, and we see that week in and week out in our churches. So we, we want to help people to be able to walk through that. We want people to be able to grow and to develop in their walk with God and to pursue 
spiritual maturity. Because really, the essence of spiritual maturity is being like Christ. That's what it says in Romans 8, verse 29, is to be like Christ. That, that's what spiritual maturity is. It's allowing, it's like Jeremiah said, he said, it, it's like the potter who has clay in his hands and he takes it and he molds it into a beautiful bowl or a jar or something like that. That's what we are to be is we're to be clay in God's hands. And so anytime something is changed from one thing to another, it goes, it has to go through a process. It has to go through that change process. And last week we learned in Romans 12 too, that that process is called transformation. All right. That's what we have to go through is we have to be transformed into the image of God. And for that process of change and transformation to take place, we learned last week something very important. And that is it doesn't happen automatically doesn't happen automatically. Matter of fact, we said, if you want to just be average and ordinary, what do you have to do? Thank you. Y'all were here. Good. You don't have to do anything to be average or ordinary. Just, you know, just do nothing. But if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be more like God, you've got to understand it's not going to happen automatically. It's going to take two big things. It's going to take time and it's going to take discipline. Look at our scripture today. 1 Timothy 4 Verses 7 and 8, we've got a lot of them, but we're, we're, this is our main one. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it says, Do not waste time. Right there it is. There's your time. Do not waste time, in this case, arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. So there's the discipline. Train yourself to be godly. I want you to underline those two things. Do not waste time and train yourself to be godly. Verse 8, physical training is good. Some of us ought to do more of it. But training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You see, this, this, these habits that we're, we're to have, it's not just for heaven. It's for right here on earth. It's to make our lives better right here. So this is where our second step and our four-step strategy really comes into place in helping move members of our church from uh, where they are to where they need to be and help them to move forward in their spiritual growth process. Now we call them habits here at our church. We call them habits and we believe that, uh, that every Christian needs to have some of these habits in their life if they're going to see spiritual growth. And so we not only teach you what they are, but we try to give you tools in which you can actually use them. Because it's one thing to know how to do something, but if you don't have the tools to do it with, it, it makes it really hard, right? So we try to give you both the knowledge and the tools to establish and apply these habits in your life. So we understand that we all have rhythms in our life. We all have these routines in our life and that if we repeat them often enough that they become habits, right? And there are some habits, some good habits that we need to have in our lives as Christians and then we need to repeat them. Matter of fact, we're offering the class today, Apply Habits at 1.30 if you're interested in attending. So for us to do a life-changing work, in your life. So I'm going to tell you what the four are first, and then we're going to dive into them each a little bit more in detail. The first one is the habit of daily time in God's Word. The second one is daily prayer. The third is tithing. And then the fourth is fellowship. Those are the four habits. In uh, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it talks about the daily time in God's Word. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. I want you to underline that my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
You know, we live in an ever-increasingly gray world, don't we, that we need to know what the truth is if we're going to live as God would have us to live. What's going to be found in his word. Second of all is the daily, uh, daily prayer habit. John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. You know, I used to ask for a Corvette when I was little. Uh, <clears throat> I had a Monte Carlo, all right? So that's not exactly what that's saying. We don't have time to get into all that. But you can ask for anything you want, it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple. So a true disciple, one that's really going after the things of God, that person spends time talking with God. The third habit is the habit of tithing, Luke 14, 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And I just lost about most of you right there because you're going, you know, I, I just don't think I can give up everything. I own. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Don't, don't leave, okay? Stay, stay with us for a few minutes. All right? Somebody just flipped over to Desperate Housewives on the TV. I, I can see it now. But anyway, fourth habit is habit of fellowship, John 13, 4, 34 and 35. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. I want you to underline that. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. There it is a second time. Your love for one another, there it is a third time. Golly, that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple. So all four of these verses are saying that if you want to be his disciple, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be more like God, you've got to at least have these four habits that you're practicing in your life. They're going to grow you in your spiritual maturity, and they are really absolutely necessary in discovering God's purpose for your life. You need to pay attention to these today. See, if you're struggling in your spiritual walk, and some of you probably are, if you're kind of feeling like you're not moving closer to God, everything's kind of stale, you're kind of spiritually dry, and maybe you feel like something's missing, there's probably a really good chance that you're not practicing one or more of these four habits in your spiritual walk with God. A survey a couple of years ago, back in 2019, and they surveyed a bunch of Protestant people, okay, which is mostly Baptist, but they surveyed some other people that were outside of the Baptist faith, but believed similar to us in, in, um, in the fact that God's Word, we believe, is relevant not only just as a history book for thousands of years ago, but we believe it's relevant for living life Today And so they, they surveyed a bunch of these Protestant people, and they also surveyed those who were actively attending church regularly, that is, at least once a week. So we got a bunch of Protestants here that attend church regularly once a week, and only 32% of them are reading their Bible daily. Just barely three out of ten. If we were lying ten people up here, only three of them are reading their Bible daily. And then 27% are reading it a few times a week. And that's outside of Sunday morning like you're sitting there reading your Bibles. Now, that don't count, okay? Just want y'all to know. I know how y'all are. Y'all try to count everything, man. You want credit for all of it, right? Well, that don't count. This is outside of church time. You know what? If that statistic is true, it certainly clears up why 9 out of 10 church-going people don't know what God's purpose for their life is. Is. It also explains why only about 30% of active church-going Christians are serving in the church. Only 30% of them are actively doing something in a ministry somewhere. James 1.25 says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for spending time 
in his word. So in our Apply Habits class, we will give you no fewer than 55 tools. That's right, 55 tools on improving your time in God's word. That daily habit. We'll do it in six different areas. We'll do it in reading God's word. We'll do it in uh, hearing God's Word, because you're hearing it right now, but we're going to give you some tips on how to hear it better and more effectively, okay? We'll give you tips on studying God's Word, on memorizing God's Word, on meditating on God's Word, and then most important, we, we're going to give you tips on how to apply God's Word, all of those things in your life, and so that you can grow into the person God wants you to be. And matter of fact, we're offering this class today at 1.30, if you're interested in coming. Habit number two, daily time in prayer. See, God talks to us through his word, right? God talks to us through his word. We talk to God through prayer. And, um, and so we're going to give you in our uh, habits class no fewer than 53 different tools. But before we do that, I want to remind you what our research team found out. Uh, we did a little bit better on praying than we did reading our Bible. 31% pray several times daily. Okay, well, that's a good thing, but the staggering number is 35% never pray. People who come to church week in and week out carrying their Bibles, you know, or an app on their phone, they're here for church, they got up early, they gave up something to be here, and, but 35% of them never talk to God, and then they wonder why they don't know what God's purpose is. Where their life is. You know, we know this survey was done in the South, though, because 21% of these same people prayed that they would win the lottery. You believe that? And 13% prayed that their favorite team would win the ball game. Now, we know in the South that goes up a lot more on Saturday, right? And uh, some more than others. But anyway, uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, but Romans 12, verse 12, says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Keep on praying. So we'll give you those 53 tools to help you develop this daily habit of prayer. We'll on the spot give you at least five different prayer guides that you can begin using immediately. Now I'm not going to go much further on prayer because later on this year we're going to have a whole series, sermon series on prayer that we're going to get into things a lot more. But I just want to encourage you, if you need help right now in, in your prayer life, we're offering a class today at 1.30 if you'd like to come and learn a little bit more about prayer, all right? Habit number three, tithing. This is the one that's most often misunderstood. So before you tune me out, give me a minute or four or five to kind of clarify it just a little bit. But tithing does involve your money. It is what you think, all right? It does involve your money and your finances. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Paul says on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money that you have earned. Now, what's a portion? Well, we go back to the Old Testament. We know that sometimes that word uh, tithe is used to represent a portion. Leviticus 27.30 kind of defines it for us. It says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and you must, and must be set apart to Him as holy. So tithe actually means a tenth or simply 10% of your earnings. So in our Apply Habits class... We're going to explain to you at least seven benefits of giving 10% of the first part of your earnings to the Lord because there are a lot of benefits to what God teaches us to do in this habit of tithing. We're also going to provide you with eight reasons from God's Word about why 
you should give. Because, see, a lot of you think the Lord needs your money. He's dependent on your money. But God doesn't need your money. He just needs you to give it to him. We'll talk about why. And we'll talk about where to give it. We'll talk about when to give it. We'll talk about how to give it. All right? We'll get into all that kind of stuff. But the greatest thing you're going to learn, the greatest thing you're going to learn in this class is we're going to clarify some misunderstandings about that word tithe. Because when you heard tithe, the first thing you thought about was money, right? But see, tithing goes much deeper than that. It really hits on three major areas of our life. Our treasures, which is certainly our finances and our possessions and our resources and our earnings and things like that. But it also involves our talents and it also involves our time. You see, our talents are the things that we learn along the way in life that God could use to help other people. It might be computer skills. It might be uh, mechanic skills. It might be changing oil uh, for somebody. It might be... Um, uh, I don't know, cooking, it might be sewing. Then you have your spiritual gift uh, or gifts, that, that gift that you get at the moment of salvation, whether it be the gift of administration or teaching or helps or service or whatever it might be. And then you have your experiences in life, both good and bad, that the Lord wants to use to help other people grow in their relationship with the Lord. You know what? God can't do any of those things with what you have to offer if you don't give him a tithe of your time. You got to give him a portion of your time. And really, that's the most expensive thing you can give, isn't it? Is your time. And that is why Satan is using it as the main thing against the church today. I haven't talked to one single Christian yet, and there may be some out there, all right? But I haven't met or talked to any of them yet. I haven't talked to one single Christian that would say, I don't want to serve God. I don't want to do something for God. But what they do say is, I'm just too busy. That's right. And so what has happened is, is they have not made it a priority in their life to tithe. A part of their treasure, a part of their talents, and a part of their time. You say they just haven't made it a priority. If you want to look over 2 Corinthians chapter 8, flip over to there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. Paul is writing to a group of new Christians at Corinth, all right? They had, they had accepted Christ. They were growing the church there. They were trying to figure out what this new life is supposed to look like. You know, what are the old habits we're supposed to get rid of? What are the new habits we're supposed to do? So Paul comes along here and kind of explains this to them in this way. He says in verse 8, uh, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. You see, Paul was trying to teach us that you don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a lot of possessions to have joy and happiness and to be generous. Verse 3, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped, and here's the main thing. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. I want you to underline that because, see, that is the key to tithing, whether it's your treasures, whether it's your talents, or whether it's your time. The key is you have to first give of yourself. 
heard the story of the offering plate that was passed and, and a little girl, she didn't have anything to give. She didn't have any money or anything. And so when, when it was all said and done, she went up front. The preacher didn't know what she was doing and she came up front. She took the offering plate and she put it down on the floor and then she went and she stood in the offering plate because all she had to offer was herself. What a great offering. Because that's really what it boils down to. That's what tithing is. Is God needs us to give of ourself to him. Would it surprise you here at Eastern Heights that 73% of our financial giving is done by those age 50 and above? Age 50 and above, 73%, which means only 20% of our giving is done by those that are age 49 and younger. Now that tells me a couple of things, all right? Number one, it says that the vast majority of our church needs to learn a lot more about tithing, okay? And so we may have some more lessons on that. Because I believe... With all my heart, if you knew God's promises about this habit of tithing, I believe many of you, 49 and younger, would change your mind about it. I really do. It also tells me that the vast majority of our church needs to grow spiritually in this area because it is a spiritual discipline. And it's a habit that you have to really work hard on developing and growing in. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 puts it this way. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Now, I know that's kind of deep, and I know it's kind of complicated, that verse right there. Y'all were supposed to grin or laugh or something, all right? It's, 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 it's clear as a bell, folks. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. See, God doesn't need your money, but you need to learn how to put God first in your life. If you'll do it with your treasures, your talents, and your time will also be there. So it tells me the vast majority of our church might need to learn at least one of these four new spiritual habits, and that's the habit of tithing. So we've learned a little bit about it today, but if you'd like to know more about this essential habit of tithing, did I mention we've got a class today at 1.30 called Apply Habits? That's right, and we'll help you with it. Last, last one's the habit of fellowship. You know, that's the one we kind of got down in the Baptist church, right? At least in the general sense of the term. But what we really mean by habit of fellowship is participating in God's family together. That's what we mean by the habit of fellowship. Participating in God's family together. Now, notice I didn't say spectating. There's a difference in participating and spectating. We need to be participating in God's family together. You know, it's, it's simple. We're, we're better together than we are apart. That's the way God created us. That's the way God has designed us to grow and thrive. It says it many places, but Hebrews 12, uh, 10, 25 says it best this way, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another. Long before COVID, you know, our culture had been working on us not um, wanting to be together as often as we used to be, where we sat on the porches and we sat on things. I saw, I was watching that dinners, drive-ins and dives or however it's worded, the three Ds there where they, that guy goes and he's got a sweet car, by the way. Dear Lord, maybe I'll change my prayer. Maybe it'll come true. Camaro SS. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Uh, don't covet. All right. But, uh, you know, I was watching that show. And, uh, and they uh, uh, were going to all these crazy places and stuff. And, and you know, it, it was just amazing that, uh, that no matter what was going on, people were getting together. They were getting together to eat and to fellowship 
together, not abandoning being together. In our Applied Habits class, we'll talk about how that this fellowship that we're talking about goes far beyond fried chicken dinners. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to make sure this is on the record. I am not against the Holy Bird. Matter of fact, I think we ought to occur, encourage each other with it as often as possible, okay? We ought to do that, all right? But it goes a little bit deeper than that. We're going to tell you about seven reasons why the habit of fellowship, participating God's family together, is so important. Because you know what? You will never, ever get past a certain spiritual level without it. I promise you, you will not. So it's very, very important. We'll also talk about seven purposes behind having our lift groups, our small group studies on Sunday morning. Then we also have several others that meet during the week, and we'll talk about that. Matter of fact, next Sunday, we're going to give you the opportunity to rise up. It's called Rise Up Sunday. And some of you, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to rise up just a little bit earlier than normal. But we're encouraging every member, every regular attender, guest to be here for a lift group on Sunday morning at 9.15. To help you with that, we're going to have Good Morning, which is one of our fellowship ministries, where we have coffee and cheese toast. Amen? Can't have fellowship without coffee and cheese toast. We'll also have some, I think I heard a name in there. We're going to have some fruit. We're going to have some juice and milk and some other things. But we'll do that a little bit before. 915 and then if you don't know what class to go to you come right out here under the um, welcome area and we will get you to a class because we've got them everywhere from birth all the way up to however old you are okay and we want you to be here next week for that because it's important we'll talk about in our class why it's so important and then we'll end that class with seven ways to not only start these four habits all right but how to maintain those habits. Because see, the problem's not starting. Most all of you here have started one or more of those habits at some point in your life. The problem is you haven't been able to maintain it, right? You haven't been able to practice it consistently, consistently enough that it became routine and a rhythm in your life and eventually a habit. Well, did I mention that we have a class about all this today at 1.30? We'd love to help you with that, all right? Now, if you missed last week's Discover class, you'll contact the church office. We have a video link that we'll get to you so that you can catch up on that. And last week, we got off to a great start with what we call Jump Start, which is another one of our fellowship ministries that we have for those interested in becoming a new member or those who have just become new members. And we had a great time together last week. We had our first, uh, not our first air class, but we had our first uh, step in our strategy to Discover God class last week. We had eight people to attend that class and to go through there. Four of those said that they want to join our church and become a church member, okay? Now, three of those are coming by church letter, and that's uh, Dylan and Katie Honeycutt. So if you're here in the room, if you would stand, please. Are they here? Are they, they're off getting something else ready, okay? Well, he's, he's our new youth pastor. He may show up at the end. If he does, say, missed you. All right, and, uh, but uh, Dylan and Katie Honeycutt, our new youth pastor and his wife, they uh, uh, joined the church last week. And then also Kristen Glisson, uh, who is our administrative uh, secretary, uh, administrative assistant, Tracy Radney's daughter-in-law. Uh, there's Dylan. Hey, Dylan, stand up so everybody can see here. That's our new youth pastor, Dylan, his wife, Katie. And then Kristen's joined by letter from another church. So yes, thank y'all. We look forward, y'all can be seated. We look forward to having you. And then we have Erica Benitez, who is going to join today by baptism, okay? And you're going to get to meet her. Yeah. Oh, dang. You brought your own cheerleading section, didn't you? All right. 
that's good. I like that. Well, like I say, we got off a good start. We also had four others who say they want to join our church. They're very interested in doing it. They believe they are going to join our church, but they wanted to go through all four classes first, find out if they're a good fit for us, if we're a good fit for them. I think that's great. That's the way we like to do it, okay? So I believe with all my heart, though, that God is continually making us a life-changing church because he is continuing to change people's lives. It happened just a month or so ago to another seven or eight people. Right? I mean, God is continuing to change lives here at Eastern Heights. I pray that God's changing your life. I pray that you're making yourself available for God to change your life. You know, not some famous preachers always saying, if you'll do your part, God will do his part, right? So take advantage of the opportunity to rise up above the normal, to step out in faith, to take that step to begin a new habit and to grow in your spiritual walk with God. Now, I know many of us here have already started those four habits, and I believe our church is just a little bit higher than that statistic says. I believe we're just a little bit above average here at Eastern Heights, right? But still, we need, we need to help those three people take three more through and make it six out of ten. And then we need that six out of ten to become ten out of ten who have started these habits in their life. And so maybe if you already have these habits going on in your life, you know somebody else that could use a friend to go through the classes with them and help them learn how to get these habits going and then kind of be an accountability partner for them. You know our Baptist battle cries, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am, always, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, every single one of you who's a member or regular tender here at Eastern Heights, you're a part of that process of making disciples. You're a very important part of that process. But I want you to look carefully at what it says. It says go and make disciples, not go and be disciples. A lot of us are more comfortable with being disciples, you know, than we are making disciples. But God's Word teaches us that we need to make disciples, which implies that a disciple, again, doesn't happen by accident. And, and so I'd like, I'd like to think that we would be the kind of person who would put ourselves and give ourselves the time and the discipline that it takes to take this next level step and to go to that next place in our relationship with God and understand that disciples are made through time and discipline that's required to develop these godly habits in your life. So I'll close with Colossians 3, 9 and 10. It says it this way. You have put off the old self with its habits. That is, as you became a new follower in Jesus Christ. You had some old habits, right? I did, even as a young boy. You have put off the old self with its habits and have put on the new self. This is the new being which God, its creator, is constantly renewing in his own image in order to bring you to a full knowledge of himself. You see, that's God's desire for each of us. That's where we begin to discover God's purpose for each of our lives is understanding God wants us to be more and more like him. More and more like him. See, God, we said last week, always has more for us, right? And if God always has more for us, that means there's always a next step toward God's more. So what's that next step for you? Is it salvation? Is it to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is it believer's baptism to follow him in obedience and to be baptized? Is it to take that class today at 1.30 and learn what these new habits are and how you can get going on those in your life? I don't know what your next step is, but if you want more and you want God's more, 
You need to be willing to take that next step. So what's our takeaway today? It's simply this. If you want to be more and more like Jesus, you have to be willing to get rid of the old bad habits and you have to be willing to put on the good, new, and godly habits that will help you grow in your spiritual walk with God. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word. How that it teaches us that you want us to be more like you. And not only does it teach us how that you want us to be more like you, you show us, you train us if we will give you the time and we will discipline ourselves. God, you will show us how that we can become more like Jesus. How that we can be used greatly by other people. And so, Father, we ask today that that would be our prayer. That we would want to be more and more like you. So, God, we pray that if we're not practicing these habits, that we would begin to practice them even now, even today, as we leave this place. Even if it's just one of them. Maybe we can't take on all of them right now. But we pray, Father, that you would help us to take on at least one. Father, grow us to be more and more like you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and we ask. And all God's people together said amen. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.